But I tell you, um, man, God's good, isn't he? I tell you, he's good. Um, got a, if you could see my notes that God that I that I've have on here, you would laugh. Um, because it looks like a chicken had danced all over it. There's all kind of scratch all over this thing. But um, you know, a couple of things before we get in the message tonight this, this morning. Um, Sam talked about the uh, the one in one and the giving and, and a new way to give. Um, those of you that are new here and don't know, like we're transitioning from being a campus to being our own autonomous church, which is phenomenal, which is awesome. And uh, and this was one of the last steps. And so we're changing we're changing our software, changing our stuff. And so this is um, one way that one of the last ways of financially we're changing that so that different ways to give. And so um, text to give. That's new. It's pretty cool. Um, and so y'all try it out. Check it out. Okay. Um, the uh, the other thing, which which is pretty cool, as of um, as of right now, um, we have given thirty seven thousand dollars toward one and one and to, to purchase a new land. Amen. <laughs> and so that's phenomenal because us, all us poor people, amen, uh, and, and to, to, to raise that kind of money that fast, it shows God's providence. But as I shared with the, our, our people at our connect group leader, I mean our connect group worship night the other night, um, my heart is that, that the, the land is, is awesome and that's God's providence. But before we build a building, and, and my stance is before we put a shovel in the dirt, we're going to be the church God calls to be before we build a church, amen, and because he's more interested in our hearts than brick and mortar, okay? And so we got to be intentional with pursuing God, seeking after God, and being who God's called us to be. And when we do that, everything else will work itself out. Amen? And so that's my heart and, and, and it behind everything. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the lawyer Monday. We're going we're gonna to get the land purchase going. And, we'll, we'll, and when I have the deed, we'll celebrate. But that's to show God's faithfulness. And every salvation from here on out will be another sign. Amen? Y'all keep praying, keep pursuing, and let's, let's be God's people. Um, I want to pray before um, we dive into God's word, and then uh, we'll, we'll get on in it. Father, uh, God, I ask you right now to just settle my heart, Lord. God, I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I pray, God, that you just move in us today. That, God, this wouldn't be just an ordinary Sunday morning. That, God, this will be a day in which we encounter the spirit of the living God. We ask you to come, Lord. God, we ask you to come now. Lord, there's many people in this room, God, that, that, that they're, they're one encounter away from breakthrough. They're one encounter away from, from deliverance, God. They're one encounter away from knowing you deeper. And God, we just pray that today would be the day. It's not about Sunday, Lord. We know that. It's about every day walking with you. And I pray that the day is where some people in this room really start stepping in faith and walking with you instead of standing still. God, move us. Move us, Lord. God, do work in our hearts that only you can do. A sermon won't change anybody's heart. God, it's you that will do it. So, God, we ask you to change hearts, change mindsets. And, God, change our direction, Father. Change the direction of our hearts. God, change the direction of our minds so that we are totally and ultimately surrendered to you. So, God, we pray these things in faith and knowing how powerful you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, we've been going through this series called 
called, uh, uh, what is the name of this series? Love Without Limits. That's it. One week gone and I messed up. But, uh, and, and the purpose behind it is one thing God's been showing me is the reason that, that really, what, I know for me for the longest, what kept me from following God more intimately is I didn't love God like I thought I did, right? And so if you go to the Bible, if you go and you start reading the red letters, right, that's the important stuff. That's what Jesus said, right? All of it's important, but I, I want to know what my Savior says. And he says that when you read that, some of the, some of the Pharisees came to him. He said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments. He said, under these two, every law, everything in this, in this book can be fulfilled and, and can be active in your life if we would love God with all of us and we would love our neighbor with that same intentionality. Love is the key, and we've been talking about loving people, loving God through desiring God, loving God through obedience. You know, and so today, one of the, one of the things that God's been laying on my heart, like, we need to love God through submission. And submission is a word that we don't like. Some of you ladies automatically put your fingers in your ears. Like, uh-uh, we ain't talking about that today, right? But, 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 but it's, it's talking about really submitting your life, a posture of living, right? It's not a one-time thing. It's, it's like I'm, I'm posturing myself so that I am allowing God to control my life because he's leading me, right? I'm being led by God. That's what a wife being submissive to her husband is about. Not about being lorded over, but being led by her husband. Amen? All right, then. Thank you. <laughs> no, all right, wait. You're going to be bad today. You're going to be hard. It's the reality of like, hey, I'm submitting my life to God. And see, that's one of the hardest things for us to do is we want to compartmentalize our lives, right? We want to give, we want to be submissive in this area and in this area, but we want to hold back this area because this is, this, this, this is hard. This is hard to let go of. But, but to really be used by God and experience God like he wants you to experience him, you have to be yielded to him in all areas of your life. We can't hold nothing back. We just sang that song, you're never going to let me down. You are let down most of the time because of you. You want God to do something that you hadn't let he, made room for him in your heart to do. You, you want God to do something, to change something, but there's something in your heart that's holding up because you hadn't really given him everything. And if he is really the king of my heart, that means he will be the ruler and the reigner of my heart. And everything in my heart will come under subjection to what he says. Amen? All right, now. Y'all, I know one week, and y'all just lost, y'all out of sync. Y'all don't amen, we're going to be here at 2 o'clock. I'm all, ain't about that life. Y'all with me? All right. All right. This table's a little shaky, but I will stand on this thing. Y'all with me? But I think we got to understand something that, that, God's love and his mercy is one of the greatest things. It's shown on the cross, right? It's shown on the cross, and it shows how, long, how far God would go for all of us. But that would never have been done if the Son of God wasn't submitted to the Father in submission and go to the cross. So Jesus is our example, and we have to go through Jesus to be pleased by God, right? And so we should be walking with Christ. Even in the garden, in the garden is where all that stuff got jacked up, right? And it was man's inner appeal to make our own decisions and not rest in God. And Satan plays to that. He plays that in all of our lives. Probably 80% of you in this room are control freaks. 
probably so. I am. If I ain't in control, I ain't happy. If I ain't in control, I feel insecure. If I ain't in control, I don't have any security. I, I, if, in certain situations, if I, don't, if I don't make the decision, then I, I, I'm just worried. I'm worrisome. I carry anxiety some days. You know why? Because if I'm not in control, then I, that's, that's a, to me, that's a sign that I don't trust God. But I'm a control freak. I want to be in control. And so most of us are in control. We want to be in control. And Adam and Eve's desire to be in control separated all humanity from God. And because of that separation from God, like, we have to submit to him to get back to him. Go with me? And he's given us a way back to him, and that's through the cross. And I want you all to bear with me this morning because this may get a little deep. It may get a little, a little lengthy, but God's continually putting this on me, so I know this has got a purpose. You see, from, from the point of Adam and Eve being separated from God, we, our, our life from that point on has always been away from the presence of God. And the only way to get back in the presence of God is to go under the submission to Jesus Christ through the Spirit, right? And so to, to be submitted to God. All of us in this room, you will, before you know Jesus, you don't know what it means to be a man or woman led by the Spirit or have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You don't know it. I, I, I knew when I was... I was just going to church. I was going through the motions. I was showing up to Sunday school. I was doing all these great things, but I haven't really submitted my life to God. I asked this guy, man, how, do you, how do you know when you have the Holy Spirit? This guy said, well, you just know when you know. I'm like, no, 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 no. How do you know? He said, I don't know how, I don't know how to tell you. You just know. Like, there's something that happens inside of you that you just know. And that, me, a man that wants facts, I'm like, no, I need a process. Like, how do you know? And I didn't, he, he couldn't tell me. But one day when I really submitted and surrendered my life to Jesus, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I knew that I knew, and I knew what he knew. Y'all with me? And that's when I started encountering the presence of God in my life. That's when I, went, that's when I started encountering God leading me. When, I, when that happened, and it's only until you submit your life. But let me tell you what happens as Christians. The more I, st- I, I, I hold on to the reins, I want to be in control, the less of his spirit I encounter. But the more I surrender, the more I, I was like, yes, Lord, I don't care what you want me to do, but I'm going to do this. The more I am submitted, the more I encounter his presence. And you know, the more I encounter his presence, the more I want of his presence. It's a hunger, it's a thirst, it's a desire. And, and, and until we hunger after God, we won't really be People who are submissive. See, we're always searching for more. We want more love. We want more power. We want, we want more possessions. It's never enough. Nothing is ever enough. It, it is never enough. We're always wanting more. I find myself buying something, and 20 minutes after I bought it, I'm back on Craigslist looking for something else to buy. Sabrina's like, take that off your phone. I'm like, I know. I know. Why? Because my, my heart's drifting. I'm, I'm just looking for something else instead of like, I don't need that. Maybe I'm the only really sinful man in here, but that is, that is my, one, of my, one of my things. Like, it's always, the, it's never enough, and I'm always looking for something else. There, inside of a lot of us, there's this restlessness looking for something. We're looking for something to make us whole, looking for something to make us happy, looking for something to make us feel significant, looking for something to make us feel like, like we're accepted. We're looking for something, and there's something missing in us, and, and that's what drives us to make bad decisions. That's what drives us to do dumb things is that 
restlessness inside of us. And instead of submitting to God, we submit to all this other junk and we find ourselves far from God instead of close to him. And until we realize what's going on, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall ever believe it to him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We've heard that growing up. But there's one word in there that's important. God so loved the world. He, so, he didn't just love the world. He so loved the world. It, it's like he, it's, it's an expression of how much he loves you and I. You know, I was, telling, I was telling somebody the other day, I might have told y'all Wednesday, that, that like Payson, he, he says, he'll say, I love you. When he started saying, I love you, the other day he come up to me and he said, Daddy, I love you so much. And I was like, I love you too. I said, how about Mommy? He said, I love Mommy. I said, you don't love Mommy so much? He said, I love you so much. I let his friend, I said, he loves me more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But it's like showing the intention that I love you so much. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus. And see, Jesus is the expression of God's love for you and I, right? And Jesus went to the cross so that we could have access to God. So it's only through Jesus that we can have the presence of God inside of us and walking with us. And so he so loved humanity that he sent Jesus to be our way out, our way out of condemnation, our way out of sin, and most importantly, our way out of being excommunicated from God. And I know we've all grown up in church and we know the old churchy, te- the, the, the churchy terms and all that stuff. But, but the biggest thing is like you won't know what it means to have a relationship with God until you actually hear from him for the first time. And it's like, oh, Lord, this is what this means. A lot of us do a lot of hard work. To try to put ourselves. We try to be the perfect person. We try to do the right thing. We try to be perfect. If I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say, I'm just, tr- I'm just tired of being perfect. I'm like, me too. You won't be perfect. We can't work our way into righteousness. Righteousness comes from following Jesus. Righteousness comes from submitting to God. And the more of your life you give to God, the easier it is to walk away from things you're struggling with. The more I give to God, the more he takes away. Until you are submitting those things under the, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, those things will never be gone. And you will live an exhaustive life feeling like, man, I've just got to work harder to love Jesus. And really, you have to rest in him and let him do the work in you. And that, no, that make, don't make any sense to some of you in here. The more you seek after God in his word, the more you seek after him and say, God, I need you to change me instead of you trying to change you, then that's when it happens. I know. I'm not speaking from from something I read about. I know. I had the worst language on the planet. I get around certain people and I would drop the F-bomb like nobody's deal. I, I find myself saying, using the Lord's name in vain before I even knew it because that was just who I was around. And then when I got saved, I was, I was, uh, I was okay at church, man. I was, all my church people, I was good. But I get to work, and then I turn into potty mouth. I was, the dang, I was a different man on Monday than I was on Sunday. And, I, and it broke me. I was like, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I was, well, I was trying hard. I was trying hard. Trying not to cuss. Trying not to cuss. Now I go home feeling defeated because I had just, I, I, I found myself back in that habit. And the harder as I tried, it wouldn't break. Until I got serious, I said, God, you know what? I need to fast and pray. So I fasted and I prayed. And at the end of that fasting and praying time, 
So I took serious that sin, and when I got serious about it, God took it out of my life. I submitted it to God, and guess what? I don't struggle with that anymore. It's only because I was like, God, I can't have this in my life. I want you more and take this out. It's being submitted to God. There's no way out. There's no way out. There's no way out except through Jesus, walking with Christ. See, God's limitless love pursues all of us in this room. It does. The, the whole work of God in redemption is to undo the, this tragic loss of God's presence in our life, right? The whole reason Jesus came is so we could have this passionate relationship with God himself through Jesus. Jesus is the one that was bringing us back, right? But we have to be submitted to Jesus. We have to be submitted to him and let him do his work in us. What keeps us from experiencing the love of God is sin, it's sin. It's things that, that don't please God. And I want to, If you can only picture the temple right now. The temple, the, the temple was, to the, to the Jewish people, that was the, that was the presence. When they saw the temple, that's the only thing they could identify with the presence of God because the presence of God was in the temple, right? It was in the holiest holies. It was in the most holy place in the temple. When you walk in the temple, the front doors of the temple, you were looking and an altar. You could go into that place. Sinful man, common men could walk into that place. And you could congregate in that place. But then there was another place. That kind of separated some people. You had to get, go through another door. And when you walk through this door, it was another little smaller courtyard. Where it had the lampstands and it had the, the altar and had the table with the bread was there. But in that place, you could see the veil. There was a veil in the temple that, that only the, the chief priest could go through. It was only the one man could go through to pay atonement. Through that veil was the presence of God. It was through that veil. And anyone crossed that veil that wasn't right with God would die. That veil separated common men from the presence of God. That veil separated them, and they always knew that the, I'll never be able to see God because that holds me back from seeing him. That, that veil is up. And when Jesus was on the cross in Matthew 27, when Jesus was on the cross, let me read that right quick. When Jesus was on the cross, Verse 50 says, And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks split, and tombs broke open. And the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised from the dead. In that moment, because of the death of Jesus Christ, the separation between God and humanity was taken care of. And it's only through Jesus that we can be in the presence of God. It took away those things. If we are following Jesus Christ, we can be in the presence of God. Man, that's amazing to me. Some of y'all should have been like, hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I get excited because because of Jesus, I get to be with God. I get to get up in the morning and say, good morning, God. And he says, good morning, Jeremy. How amazing is that? It's not like I want to go see God and I got to pack up and drive 200 miles to a temple and stand at a veil and just like, maybe I can get a glimpse. 
No, I get to have that every day because I'm following Jesus. See, Christ came to tear down that thing that separates us. And, the, and God, on God's end, don't you understand, on God's end, the veil is torn. There's nothing that separates him from us. What's wrong is what holds us from experiencing him. Because sin in our lives builds the veil back in our hearts. That's why we talk about, you, you've always heard, we got to deal with things in our life. you got to deal with sin, the things that don't please God. The biggest sin that we all struggle with is the sin of self. It's the self-sin. It's, 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 it's about me. The reason you're not close to God is, is, is you want to, or he wants you to be is because of you. Because you won't let go of things. You won't let go of, of preferences. You won't let go of hurt. You won't let go of circumstances. You won't let go of money. You won't let go of family. You won't let go of things. You're holding on to things because it holds you in control. And you're scared that if you give it to God, he's going to ask you to do something that's going to make you uncomfortable. The whole problem between us experiencing God is not God. It's us. He wants you to come in. He wants you to be able to be right there and spend time with him. He wants you right there. If he didn't want it, he wouldn't have sent Jesus to die so that we could have that experience. Do you understand how much God loves you so that we can even just have this relationship with him? To have that relationship, he sent Jesus to die for us so we could talk with him. Loving God means I love you so much, God, that because you love me so much, I love you so much that I'm going to, I don't care what it takes, I'm going to get over me, whatever you want me to do, because I want to be in your presence. That's what it means, church. See, but our sin, it builds up this wall and it separates you from encountering God's presence. I don't know how many people I've heard in my time in ministry I was like, well, man, I, I want to experience God, but, but I just don't feel it no more. I used to be on fire for Jesus, but now, like, I just don't feel it no more. Because there's sin that you've allowed to creep in, and it's keeping you from experiencing God. And it's things that you, God was putting his fingers on things that were easy. But when he started putting his fingers on things that were hard, you said no. And he said, and God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force himself on you. He wants you to submit to him. So when he puts his hand on things, you have to say, yes, Lord. Because he's God, amen? And whatever he's asking us to do. So a lot of us, we, we are only as close to God as we have submitted to God. And the more you submit, the more you experience. And when you find yourself in a place of like, I haven't experienced God in a while, go back to the last thing he told you to do and you said no. Because that's what's separating you. He's a holy God. We act like, it's, we act like it, salvation was a ticket to Six Flags. We just get this ticket. We get to go ride all we want to. And it ain't that. God's given Salvation is an opportunity to come into his presence. And if you're truly saved, you want more of him. And you're allowing him to change you and transform you. But those transformations, those changes won't happen if we are not submitted to the authority of the Holy Spirit in our life. So many people, transformation has stopped because we are holding sin of self in us. And this is one of the biggest ones, church. I don't, tell, I don't know how many. I got, a, I got a, a text from a friend of mine a while back, and he says, he says man, my, name, my, my, my word for this new year is humility because I need to, to slay pride in my life. 
And don't say nothing smart back because I might have to get me a new word. And I text him back. I said, brother, pride has been an issue in your life the last three years. It's been a big stumbling block for you. It's time for you to embrace humility as a lifestyle and walk away from pride. Because if not, pride's going to always define who you are. Well, I ain't got a text back. But the thing is, we have to be, pride is a thing that's about me. Pride is always about me. People, we all struggle with pride to a certain extent, but the only way to, to be, not be prideful is to be humble, and being humble is you, so you count others over yourself. Amen? And so that's one of those things that we have to understand. We have to, we have to desire God more than anything else. Without God's presence in our life, everything is hopeless. You won't be changed without his presence. You will walk this thing out and quit eventually because you're trying to do it on your own. You will, you, you will, you will walk this out and, claim, and call yourself a Christian and the whole time make a mockery of the cross because you're not submitted to the cross. To be a follower of Jesus and to be someone that is, is, is true, truly saved is a man or woman that is submitted to God and allowing God to change their life. That's it. That's, 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 that's everything. What hinders you from the presence? Like, what hinders you from the presence of God? What puts distance in your life? What? All of us have our different vices. All of us struggle with different things. But see, the thing is, what, when, when, when we, I hear people say, well, I'm just, I'm just cold about this. Or I'm struggling with this. It's more serious than just coldness. It's more serious than, than just struggling. It's, it's, it's what's behind it is what's serious. Because what's, what's holding on, what, what the difference is, what's going on is, is because it's, it, the Spirit of God can't manifest in your life because you're in love with you more than you're in love with God. And I notice it's tough because this is ingrained in us. This is who I am. I've, I've always been about me. Everyone in this room is selfish. It's always been about me, and for it to be more about God, then I have to deal with some stuff inside of me. i got to let go of some things that the enemy just won't hold on to the control. See, this, this sin of self is woven through the fabric of who every one of us are. It's woven in there, and it's not going to be taken out easily. It's got to be taken out precisely by the Word of God and by His Spirit in our life, constantly taking that out. But you won't allow God to remove it if you're not subjecting yourself to his word every single day. The veil that Christ came to tear down, we build back up in our hearts when we don't submit to him. The veil of the self-life, I call it. I mean, there's been times in which some of us have just pushed through it. There's been times in which some of us in this room, if they push through it, we push through that, that, that veil of, of self and we've denied ourselves for a certain amount of time and we've experienced God. But then when we experienced it, he wanted us to, 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 to tear down a little more of it. We just kind of backed up because we were intimidated by how much he was asking us to change. And what's happened is over time, it's kind of sealed itself up. When I hear people say, man, I remember when God did this in my life and when God did that in my life. But I haven't been moved by God in so many years. I forgot what it feels like. That scares me to death. Because what you're saying is you mean more to you than God does. Church, I'm telling you, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means that you don't love you. You love God. 
You submitted to him. This is so different than what we've grown up. They're so different than what, than what a lot of people teach because it ain't about you. We make these services almost about you. And it's not about you, it's about God. We are so self-seeking. Church, the thread of self is so ingrained in us. It's self-righteousness, self-pity, self Self-confidence, self-sufficiency. We're so focused on, on, on us, on how we feel, on how we look, on how things will affect us, that we cannot experience God's presence. If, if I take it, if I, if right now, you want me to tell you, some of you are like, I, you know, I'm not struggling with self. If I said right now, all right, we're fixing to leave and go share the gospel with people in the community, some of you would be like, oh, I'm going home. Why? What if, they reject, what if they reject me? They know how I once lived. What if they hurt me? What if they, that's going to take me out of my comfort zone. Come on. It's the self-life. It's me. It's because it's me. It's affecting me. God, how dare you ask me to step out of my comfort zone? God, how, where, how dare you ask me to change? God, how dare you ask me to forgive them? Because you know how that hurt me. God, how, how dare you ask me to quit this job and go into the ministry? How dare you ask me to do that? Because you know that I ain't going to have no money. That I, I, My bank account's going to be empty. God, how dare you ask me? See, if you start going back to, to, to your rebuttal to God when he's asking you to do something, it'll, it'll reveal your heart. It'll reveal how the, the self things that separate you from God. When we're focused on how we look and how it affects others, we're more in love with us than we are in God. And the more you submit to God, the more that veil's going to be torn down, church. See, I, I just... I, I, I am broken to the fact of realizing that, look, I can't love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind when I'm still in love with me. I can't. And until I let God do work in me, and, I, and, and then, then I can experience his presence. See, I want you to understand something. I was, God just kind of God spoke to me in a strong way, but self. Jeremy, I, my, me, me, I can stand unrebuked, kneeling at this very altar. I can be on my knees at this very altar and not allow God to rebuke me. I know the sin of my life. I know the issues in my life. I've got this altar and I am on my knees in front of God. I know the baggage in my life. I know what I struggle with. But I sit here and I got him at an altar and I'm worried that if I ask God to change this, then he's going to change my whole life because I'm in love with my life and I'm not in love with God. I can come to the altar and I can cry because of my misery, because of where I am, but I can, I can sit here and not submit because I'm in love with me. And if God says you're going to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you got to get over you and the consequences of what you think is going to cost you and just submit to me and I'll show you something that you would never see not submitted to me. See, I can come to this altar and be okay with my sin. I can come to this altar and be like, oh, God, Rick's beside me. And, Lord, I don't know what he's struggling with. 
I can be focused on the next person. And, 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 and Rick's, Rick's dealing with stuff, and I'm sitting there just thinking about everybody else. Church, we can fool ourselves. Satan fooled Adam and Eve. Why do we think we're so much better? We can come and be, be at the very altar and not be right with God. Self can hear a message and not feel conviction. I can feel conviction about what the sin cost me, what the, how the sin makes me feel, but until I'm convicted of me, loving me more than God, then I won't deal with the issues. People talk about it all the time. I, well, I'm, I'm just, I, you know, I just I don't like getting out of my comfort zone. Okay, keep loving you. You don't know what it means to love God. And if that it's so important, guys. It is so important. Y'all, some of you look at me like I lost my mind. I may have, but the thing is, is like it's so important because if you don't, that's a command. It's not a suggestion, right? If you love the Lord, you have to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself if you are a follower of Jesus. It's not that I get to choose me and live for me and then die and go to heaven. No, you will die and go to hell. Because you love Jesus, you will submit your life. He will change your life. I cannot stand. I cannot stand. And I'm not mad at you. I cannot stand people who live an unregenerated lifestyle, who live a life of sin and claim to be a follower of Jesus. It spits in Jesus' face. It spits on the cross, the very sacrifice that God gave us for his sin. It spits in his face. Well, because we don't want to get rid of us. We just want us and we want Jesus because we don't want to go to hell. And Jesus died so you could love God. So people, let's love God. Amen? Let's give him our lives. And God's calling a generation of people, and I'm 100% sure he's calling us to get over us and love him. Because when we love him, things change. We can't say we want communities to change and we stay the same. I can't say I want my workplace to change and me stay the same. I can't say I want my family saved and sanctified and changed if I'm not doing it at home. I can't say I want my, I can't tell you I want Payson to go to heaven and me never tell him about Jesus at home. Some of you parents need to get a hold of that today. The, the, the youth ministry, the, the children's ministry ain't designed for us to send your children to heaven. It's designed for us to teach you how to teach your children to love Jesus. And we cling on programs. We cling on all these things to make, to make room because we feel unqualified to tell our kids about Jesus. But the reality is you get over you and you spend time teaching your kids about Jesus, guess what it would do? That would put a level of accountability in your life to be transparent with your kids that you need. And that was free. I wasn't in here. See, self. Self can see somebody hurting and not be moved to help them. You can see somebody, you know this in a bad way, but you're not going to help them because, well, how about the money that I got to give them? How about this? How about that? God convicted me that one day picking up a hitchhiker. I'm like, Lord, what if I pick this guy up and he kills me? He's got a backpack. There might be a knife in there the size of a sword. Like, what am I going to do? And God was like, well, you'll see me soon. I was like, okay, I'll pull over. You know what I'm saying? Like, we worry about things that don't matter because we love us and our life more than we love God. But what does he say? Those who love me, right, 
those who love me will not love their life. Right? We will give up our life for him. So you say, how? How? Because how, 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 does it, how do we get hung up in this self-life? How? How? Because we've allowed the, this, this, this veil to be there, and we don't, we're, not, we're not seeing sin the way it is, and we're not allowing God to, to cut it loose. And it's so important, church. The self is the veil that hinders you from the face of God, that hinders you from being transformed, that hinders you from experiencing the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but you've heard me talk about being in the presence of God so much. If you love Jesus, then you should be sick and tired of hearing me talk about it. You ought to come join me. Amen? Let's get in this together. Because when we are all intentional with getting rid of me, getting rid of the sin of self, let me tell you what happens. The glory of heaven comes down. And it won't be pretty. It's not pretty. When you put yourself on the cross, the Bible says you should put, you should crucify yourself, right? When you put yourself on the cross, it won't be pretty. It won't be easy. It'll be painful at times because it's against the very nature inside of you. But you got to love God enough to go through the pain. You got to love God enough to go through it. It may be so intense that you have to cling to the word of God and say, God, this don't feel right within me, but I know what your word says and I trust your word and I'm going to go through it with it anyway. That's what it means to love God. See, God gives us all of his love wrapped up in one box, and that is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus shows us his love all wrapped up on two pieces of wood. It's a cross. When Jesus bled and died for our sin. It's never fun to die. To tear through the very thing that makes you who you are, that who you've always been. To tear through those things. To tear through the unforgiveness you've always had. To deal with the issues that's caused that unforgiveness is never fun. But you got to see God's, really God's plan, God's purpose, and God's presence more beneficial than the pain you walk in every day. Because if you really looked at it, you're a miserable person putting a smile on your face, separated from God. I want, you to look, I want you to understand something. Look at Peter's life. I promise I'm going to close out in a minute. Look at Peter's life. When it was all about Peter, he always got in the way of God. When it was all about Peter, he said, uh-uh, Lord, you ain't going to go to that cross. He stood in the way. What did, what did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, Satan. Because it wasn't, it wasn't the spirit inside of him. It was flesh. What, what happens next? Peter was still all about Peter. Jesus and I won't never deny you. will never walk away from you. But when they got hard, what did he do? He walked away because it was all about Peter. When he realized that Jesus was going to die and there wasn't going to be no actual kingdom, he was like, wait a minute now. What's in this for me? This fool I've been following, he's, he's on his cross. If I say that I'm really following, they might put me on his cross too. But until Jesus came back to Peter, and Peter realized who Jesus really was, and Peter really submitted his life to Jesus, Jesus says, Peter, you're going to be the rock, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. He used Peter in a big way, but it was only until he was filled with the Spirit of God. It was only until that happened. Guys, you can't just say, yes, I've realized that my life is about me. 
You can't say, yes, I realize that the reason people at work don't see a difference in my life because it's about me. You can't say, yes, I know that I'm selfish because I, I want this or I won't do that. You can't just say, yes, I realize that. You have to insist. You have to insist, and I pray you insist this morning. I pray you insist that you confess, that you insist that the work of the cross be done in your life. That you put those things to the cross, that you kill them today, that you come to God and say, God, I'm crying out. I don't know what this looks like, and I know this may be painful, but I want to look how you want me to look. I want to submit my life to you, maybe for the first time today. Maybe you really want to submit your life to him for the first time. Or maybe you need to say, God, I'm like that prodigal child. I was, I was in your house, but I have drifted away because the things of the world have lured me away. But, God, I realize it's been about me for the last six months. It's been about me for the last year and a half. It's been about me for the last 12 years. And, God, I want to come back to you. I want to be back in your presence. I want to, I want to dine in your arms again, Lord. I want to be with you every single day. Maybe that's you today. There's room at the cross, church. There's room. See, to carry your cross isn't like it's a race. We think carrying our cross means I take this cross and I just carry it as far as I want to and I drop it and I can come back and pick it up later. But to carry my cross means I pick it up. First, I got to kneel down and I got to accept it. But when I rise up, it may be heavy, but I realize that I got somebody toting it with me. But I'm being submitted under the cross, under, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, walking with Him, taking action, waging war against that sin that's inside of me every single day, church. And the cross is rough. The cross is deadly. But it's effective. And you have to put your desire to please you on the cross. It's painful, and, and, and you've got to let the cross do its work in your life. But after this, after this, it's so amazing. After you really put yourself on the cross, after you truly give yourself, all of yourself to God, it is so beautiful. There's a resurrection that happens. There's a new life that comes inside of you. There's a new passion. There's a new direction. There's something different that comes along inside of you. And it's amazing. And it is so good. You get to walk with God every single day. And when you start walking with God, you look back and you're like, why didn't I do this sooner? Why did I struggle so long? God, why did I keep holding on to me? Why did I give more of me to you earlier? You'll never love God as he commands us to love him as long as you remain loving you. And I had about a half a dozen scriptures I was going to share, but you know what? God says, let's end this thing. But the last thing I want to share with you before we close out is this life has never been about you. God created all of us in this room for a purpose. He knew you before you were born. He had a plan for your life before you made your first mistake. And how you've been living does not define who you are or who he has commanded you to be. And that he, he wants you to come home. He wants you to submit yourself to him. You may have said, I, have, I want salvation, and you may have been baptized, and you may have been faithfully coming to church, but there's things in your life that's holding you from knowing God. And let me tell you, as your pastor, as your friend, and as somebody that loves every one of you in this room, I don't want you to be a church member. I want you to be somebody that is passionately in love with Jesus. I want, I want for you so much to encounter the presence of God when you're at home. 
I want you so much to be, to be able to, at your funeral, I open your Bible, and I see pages littered with teardrops where you have cried your eyes out before God because you've been in the presence of God. This life is so that we would know Him and prepare our souls to meet Him. But one of the things in Matthew 7, He says this. This is red, red letters. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And we've always hung on to that verse, and we've always thought that that meant people who were saved and people who weren't. But the more I read God's Word, the more I understand, I think that separates the divide of people who claim to know Jesus and those who really love Jesus. Because there's a difference, church. There's a difference in people who have had an affiliation with Jesus, that believe in Jesus, and those who love Him and follow Him. Narrow is the road. That's Jesus telling people, look, it's, you have to, there's no plan B. There's no option. You can't just have this love affiliation. You have to love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And if you ain't all in, then you all out. It's easy to go through life and love you and love Jesus on the side, but it is hard to really dig in and say, God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want and be okay with what he wants. Few find it. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you. He's talking to your heart. And I'm asking you today, what in the world is keeping you from loving God so that you can walk on that narrow path? You know, there's hope in this, though. He also says in Matthew 7, he says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God gives us hope in that of like, look, if you want me, I'm here. If you want my presence, I'm here. But get rid of you. Get rid of you. I wish, oh Lord, how I wish. It was the easiest sign I dotted line for you to go to heaven. But you know, it really is easy. It's just saying yes to Jesus and saying yes every time he says do this. Saying yes every time he says do that. Every morning when you wake up, saying yes to him and saying, God, I want to talk to you first. Every day, spending time with Jesus. And you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? You know what, what keeps me up at night? You know what bothers me more than anything in the world? Is that God wants to do an amazing work in America, but we are the ones that are holding God back from doing work in America. We don't let him do work in us. So don't you dare say, I want to go to Connection Church. I want to grow. And you're not letting God do work in your heart because you're lying to yourself. If you're not allowing God to slay you, there's no purpose to say you're a Christian because to follow Jesus is you give it all. You can't surrender some. And so I want to ask you guys right now, if there's anybody in this room that you have never really given God your life, you may have had this religious affiliation, you may have been through and through the motions. I say this every week. 
And I know many people hold their hands down because they think they got it together. But if you are not truly submitted and committed to God, then you never knew him. So if you need to give your life to God and truly surrender your God, I don't care how many times you've been dipped, sprinkled, whatever. I don't care. It don't matter. If your heart is not completely devoted to God, then you don't know him. So if you need to give him your life today, I just want you to raise your hand so we can celebrate and we can, we can pray with you. Anybody. Anybody need to give their life to Jesus? All right. Now I'm going to ask another question. And this is going to show you, you and your heart, if it's about you, about Jesus. If there's areas in your life that you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he's been putting his hand on, saying you need to let this go, you need to let that go, you need to do this, but you've been holding back because you don't feel comfortable, you don't want, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to look around. You ain't alone. You ain't alone. And most of you that ain't got your hand raised, you're lying. So what's going to keep you from doing the business that God wants you to do in your heart right now? most important thing we could ever do is come to God and say, God, forgive me of my hard-headedness, forgive me of myself, and God, help me not love me more than I love you. Maybe that's what you need to do today. Because I know that's what I need to do. So if you will, stand. And as the worship team plays, do the work that God wants to do. If you need somebody to pray with you, come grab me, grab anybody that was praying. Let's get right with God. Amen? Father, we come to you right now. God has stored his stuff. Well, I'm often reminded of that song that we sing growing up. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. God, it was by your cross that brought us, it brought us, Lord, back into your presence. And God, I pray that we would put ourselves on the cross and we would die to ourselves today. God, move in our hearts today. God, help us be a people who love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength because, number one, we are willing to submit to you. God, help us be a submissive people. God, help us, God. I pray right now, Lord, that you, there's, I know right now, I, I just feel a spirit of, of just anxiety in so many people's hearts because they're worried what other people are going to think. They're worried about what, what's going on. There's all kind of questions. God, I pray that you would just squash those things. I pray that there would be a spirit of repentance all over this building. And God, we would truly deal with what, you, what you're doing. Deal with it in our hearts, God. Help us rebuke the lies of self. God, I pray you would do this in the name of Jesus.